in this week's In-Ear Insights. It is a new day, a new year, new you, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? And as part of that, uh, Katie, you want to talk about uh, a, a piece of, I guess, uh, content that you saw on LinkedIn called Dirty Secrets of C-Suite Women. Uh, the summaries being, you know, two-thirds of uh, people who identify as women at the manager level or above use assistance of some kind, house cleaners, nannies, BAs, you name it, um, even if they're not willing to say so. So, A, what is it that makes this a dirty secret? And B, it feels like there's more than one angle of discussion on on this topic in, in general. Um, yeah, I saw this article last week and I immediately had strong reactions to it. Number one being um, that women are, you know, whether openly or privately shamed for not being able to do it all to, you know, be successful managers and have kids and, you know, have a successful marriage and keep their house clean and get the groceries and pay the bills. And my first thought was, why should we have to do it all? Why am I the one who's responsible for doing every single one of those things by myself with a smile on my face without complaining? Uh, and the answer is no, I can't do all of that. It's physically impossible. There are not enough hours in the day. And so, you know, people often say like, well, you have the same 24 hours as Beyonce has, for example. Well, yeah, Beyonce also has a team of people around her who are doing things like her grocery shopping, cleaning her house, nannying her children, driving her around, keeping her schedule. And so she is sort of that epitome of what we're talking about. She's cleared to focus on the thing that she does best, which is to get on stage and entertain. And so the same should be true of any human, but in this case, women in a C-suite position. Why can't we hire help to clear our time of the things that, you know, aren't best suited for what we should be focusing on. And so, you know, I started to think about it in the context of like, okay, so if we really break it down, it's just like outsourcing anything else. If I don't have time to make coffee, I go to the coffee shop. Should I be shamed for having a barista make me a coffee? No. Millions of people do it every single day, regardless of what role they are in. If, you know, the guy who cleans my gutters stops at Dunkin' Donuts to get coffee on his way to my house. Is he being shamed for not being able to make his own coffee? Absolutely not. He's just getting coffee. You know, if I have someone walk my dog while I'm out of town, am I being shamed for not being in two places at once? Yes. It's a total double standard. So I guess, Chris, my first question to you is, Has you've done a lot of interviews. You've talked to a lot of people over the years. Has anyone ever asked you uh how you balance it all, a family, a career, everything. Have you ever been asked questions along those lines as a man? Not with that implication around gender. People have asked <laughs> how I get so much stuff done, but it's more a question of productivity and not a question about uh, gender roles. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm sort of going down the uh, dark rabbit hole of a rant, what are your thoughts around you know, this topic? You should outsource for two things. One, things you're not good at, right? Um, and things that are not the best use of your time. If you know, it, this is straight economics, right? If we 
put aside, which is difficult to do because uh-huh. of society culture, but if you put aside gender roles and, and cultural things, fundamentally, every hour of the day, you're either working towards your goals or you're not, right? And depending on what the use of that time is, there may be, it's a cost-benefit analysis. If it takes you an hour to cook dinner, for example, um, and in that hour, you could have been doing a revenue generating activity. Would you generate more revenue in that hour than you would save by not paying somebody else to cook that dinner for you, right? If it costs you $30 to buy a, a dinner, but you make $100 an hour, the math's pretty easy. You you outsource the cooking the dinner part so that you can make that $100 because uh, you, you have a net profit then of $70. And so from an economics perspective, you regardless of gender role, you should absolutely be outsourcing anything that you're not good at and anything that is not looking towards your goals. Now, with the understanding that there are intangible cultural and and relationship benefits that come from things that don't make you money, right? We're not, we're not going to be entirely heartless here, right? Laying on the couch with your dog for an hour doesn't make you any money, but it makes you happier and it makes your dog much happier. Uh, and so that's not something you want to outsource. Um, but in general, in, in the context of the discussion about whether you should outsource, you should absolutely outsource as much as you can. That is a net positive benefit to you. Sometimes like for things that you're not good at, that even if you're not necessarily making money on it, if it reduces and removes cognitive distraction and stress from your life, you absolutely should do it, right? Um, there are tons of things that I outsource. Um, I hire carpenters because I'm bad at building things. I'm, I hire plumbers because I don't know what I'm doing with plumbing. And you know, the last thing you want to do is screw up your sewage line. Um, I hire electricians because again, I don't want to undo, know what I'm doing and I don't want to electrocute myself, right? My, <laughs> I have important things to do with life and getting electrocuted, fixing a, a socket is not one of them. Um, and there is also a collateral benefit to society, right? Everything that you outsource, you are paying somebody else. You are helping keep money circulating in the economy. That helps in an economy that is increasingly service-based. That helps. So the idea that somebody should be shamed for outsourcing something is ridiculous because, again, it's all about advancing your goals and avoiding doing things you're bad at. It is ridiculous, but it still very much happens. And so, you know, Chris, as you're talking about, you know, well, you should outsource, you know, someone making dinner so you can focus on revenue generating activities. Totally logical, you know, argument. However, if you and I both said those things in an interview, the reaction would be very different. So, Chris, if you said, well, no, I outsource or, you know, I order out dinner because I'm focused on work, they'd be like, wow, Chris, that's so smart and so productive. If I say, you know, I order out dinner so I can focus on, you know, making money at work, the reaction typically is, oh, so you put work above your family. How dare you? And those are the, that's really what the basis of the article is, is that, yeah, logically, if we take gender roles out of it, it all makes sense. I would love to hire someone to, you know, clean my house and do my laundry and cook my meals and all of those things totally makes sense. But the expectation of me and others as, you know, identifying as a woman, someone in a position of leadership is that I should be able to 
run my business, grow my business, and also have a full-time domestic role in my house without needing help. And that's the conversation that one of my goals for this year is to, at least for the very small community of people who, you know, bother to listen to anything I have to say, I would like to have, you know, change that conversation that, you know, getting help for the things that you need help with, there's zero shame in that. You know, if anything, Chris, to your point, it makes you more productive. It helps you focus on your goals. But as a man, it's harder for you to have that conversation on behalf of women who are experiencing this double standard. Let me ask you this. For the people who express that opinion, why does their opinion matter? It's, you know, it's funny because uh, I knew that would be part of this conversation. And in some ways, their opinion doesn't matter. Uh, you know, day to day, their opinion doesn't matter. I don't really... I'm fortunate that I don't really care what people think of me in general. Um, I just sort of like keep moving forward. However, when it does start to matter is when it starts to affect my business and when it starts to affect the people around me in terms of potential opportunities. Um, so not so much these days, but when I was younger and in different jobs and in different roles, you know, I was often asked when I'm going to have children and what that's going to mean for my projects. And so there was this expectation that as a woman in her late 20s, early 30s, I must be thinking about, you know, having kids and do I have a backup plan for when I'm going to be out on maternity leave and or already, you know, planning on not coming back to work at all. And at no point did I ever say, hey, I'm planning on having kids. Even if I was or wasn't, it's not a conversation that I needed to be having in a professional setting. It was nobody's business. And yet somehow it was a constant theme of conversation of, so when you have kids, who's going to take over for you? And so it was always with this eye toward um, having someone to replace me for when I inevitably was going to selfishly go have children or have a family or do whatever it is that women do that make them incapable of working according to society. And so that's really where I'm coming from in this, where no, people's opinions don't matter until they do, until they directly impact your ability to do your job, to advance your career, to grow your business because their unrealistic expectation of what you as a woman are capable of is then put on you until it becomes their reality and then therefore your reality. That's just illogical and stupid. People, I don't disagree with you, but it's it's what happens. It, it's what it happened is. to me. It is. no, it, it, And I totally get that. But from the perspective of people who you want to maximize the product productivity of your business. Uh -huh. All of your workers are functionally identical. Right? There's a, you get you're allotted X number of hours of their time, and they have X number of skills, and you have to you have to treat it like treat them like they're machines, right? Um, and get get them doing what they're best at in the time that you have to do it so that you maximize their productivity. 
regardless of what your opinions are about how they live their lives, they have roles to play like pieces of software to generate results for you. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things I think is the most short-sighted about the labor markets right now. People are complaining, oh, we can't find help. We can't find workers. We can't find, you know, staff. There's nobody. And, and yet people ignore, you know, women who are, uh, who want part-time, um, who are perfectly capable of doing great work, just not in 40 hours a week. People who need flexible schedules, who have, uh, you know, more than one job. People who are veterans, people who have disabilities that prevent them from going to the office. But guess what? Their brains and their fingers work just fine. So, you you, you, you know, yes, you that person may not be, you know, a commute is inherently ableist, right? You have to be able to, to navigate a world made for people without disabilities. Um, remote work is not it is it is a lot more enabling and you have a huge legion of people who have perfectly working brains um and and in a increasingly knowledge-based economy we're ignoring those that labor supply so there's a lot of things bubbled up into this you know this dirty secrets of of Mm c-suite there's a lot of things bubbled up into the gender roles in general that are inherently illogical and unproductive they are things that are costing you money because you're not recognizing that talent is talent and if you mm-hmm. are if you are a good business person who is focused on maximizing profit over the long term, you take your talent where you can get it. And the more flexible you are, the more egalitarian you are, the more loyal your employees will be and the more likely you are to be able to retain them because they know that working anyplace else is going to suck more because people are going to say stupid things like, oh, when are you going out on maternity? Or, well, why can't a wheelchair get, you know, fit in this office space? People will say stupid stuff like that. And so as a level-headed, logical employer, you should 100% be focused on, am I getting the most out of the skills and the time that I have to work with, with people? I and mean, we were having this discussion this morning um, about VAs, uh, you know, changing uh changing up some staffing and stuff and 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 how to train up a new person that it comes down to can we get somebody with good processes and procedures can we get somebody up to speed quickly and continue to be able to do the good work it's you know what i really think about where this comes from because i'm always fascinated by the psychology of you know, where these types of things come from. And a lot of it, I believe, um, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but a lot of where these, you know, dirty secret, you know, pieces of content come from, the way, the reason why this still happens is that there's a lot of insecurity at the top of, you know, well, Okay, I'm just going to say this directly and, you know, if people want to come back and comment, please go ahead. I welcome it. There's a lot of really insecure men out there and women who, you know, are trying to consciously and subconsciously find ways to hold other people down who who they feel threatened by. And so using gender roles is one of those ways that insecure men and women equally, uh, try to hold other people back who they feel threatened by so if you have a you know an a plus player on your team you may feel threatened by that person and so oh you know let me figure out how to sabotage this person so that i can continue to look like the star and they can not advance ahead of me because i'm actually not that great i there is a that is not 
all of why this happens. A lot of it is just, you know, ingrained culturally and, you know, things that have to be unlearned. But there is a good amount of just flat out insecure people at the top of a company who don't know any other way than to put other people down. And using gender roles as a negative is one of those ways that it is done. It happens. It still happens to me. People assume that I'm Chris's assistant because I'm female and because I'm not as outgoing and extroverted, Chris, as you are. So they just automatically assume that I'm your assistant. Now, do I have a problem coordinating your schedule or responding to emails on your behalf? Absolutely not. But don't make that assumption about me. Ask. Say, hey, what role do you play? Or, hey, Chris, do you want to do this thing? No, but let me talk to Katie and see if she can help me, you know, pull this thing together. It doesn't matter at the end of the day who does the work. But if you go into the conversation assuming roles about people, you are automatically, you're perpetuating the problem. And people use gender roles as a weapon in a lot of ways because it's the, how do I continue to keep this person down? They use, you know, uh, assumptions about uh, ethnic backgrounds as, you know, ways to keep people down as well. Oh, Chris, well, you know, it looks like you're Asian, so I'm going to make a bunch of really racist, stereotypical assumptions about what you are and are not capable of. I'm not, I'm not actually going to list any of those things out on this podcast because that would be incredibly rude and untrue, but I'm sure that that has happened to you in the past as well. I am, in fact, bad at math. <laughs> uh, what is a system? What is a system? Yes. It's a collection of processes, right? So, pro oh, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> right. It's a collection of processes, yes. uh, written and unwritten rules to mm -hmm. that make things work, right? Standard operating procedures. Yes. Be something that forms a system. Yep. One of the things that a lot of people in a position of privilege don't understand is that when we say systemic sexism or systemic racism, it is not about the attitudes of an individual person. It's not a person. Um, it is the system, the, the sets of rules and processes and procedures, the standard operating procedures that create and perpetuate inequities from people in, uh, who have privilege. And this is all privilege, race, gender, religion, wealth, etc. Oh. to deconstruct and and to chip away at people asking you when you're going to have kids, for example. The, the processes and systems around the gender role of women have to be altered uh -huh. to be more egalitarian. To say, for example, simple things. We're not going to have maternity leave. We are having parental leave. And the parental leave extends to anyone of any gender. You have X time off. So that whether you're whether you identify as male, as female, as something else, as you choose not to identify, you get the same level of stuff, right? You get the same level of time off if you want to have a kid. Um, we have, it's called paternity leave in places now where people, if you get a new pet, you get a, you know, a week to spend t t time with a new pet. But it is those, in, those systems in place uh -huh. that exist that perpetuate a lot of these things that otherwise you would not necessarily think about. You know, if you if you have something called parental leave, think about it differently than you have saying the words maternity leave, right? When you think about pay, if you have pay scales that are defined by role and seniority, then 
you automatically dismantle the ability for somebody to say, oh, well, because you're a woman, you don't deserve to get paid as much as a man. Like, no, if you are in slot G7, you're grade G year seven, this is your pay, right? And then there's a, a performance factor of you know, one to 2%. That's how the government civil service scale works. Uh, the whole civil service scale was engineered specifically to uh, reduce bias in the system so that a, a black woman who is a G7 gets the same pay as a white man is a G7 because it's you get the same role. Now, there are obviously still ways that bias can occur, but the system, by constructing systems like this helps to reduce that. Same for things like resume blinding. When you take a resume, remove all personally identifying information, say these are the characteristics, summarize this resume without giving away um, identifying characteristics, that makes the system more equitable because you can no longer tell, oh, this is a woman. I don't know if I want to hire her. She, she might go out on maternity leave. Nope. I'm looking for a DBA with seven years of experience who can use MySQL, Oracle, and Microsoft SQL. Does this candidate qualify of those things. If, this, if we restructure the system, now you get rid of the ability for people to make those assumptions and you get a more diverse workforce. Or in some cases, you get some very strange effects. Malcolm Gladwell talked about this in, um, I think it was Outliers. When orchestras started to use blind auditions, it, up until that point, it was assumed that men were the superior musicians, that only men could play classical music. After orchestras started using blind auditions, something unusual happened. The vast majority of people in orchestras now are women, because it turns out women are actually superior musicians. Um, and but those dismantling that system That's allowed that. the the actual talent to to arise. And so, for business owners, for for business managers, you have to take a look at the systems that are in place that you use and say, does this system have built in inequities and can we modify the system to reduce those? We're never going to get rid of them, but can we no. reduce them? That goes back to the insecurities and people needing to be aware enough that that's what's happening. Um, you know, I have countless, you know, female friends who have felt that they've needed to hide their pregnancy during interviews for fear of not being hired. And no interviewer would come right out and say, we didn't hire you because we know you're going to go on maternity leave. But that was always a big fear and anxiety as a woman who is expecting a child because there's a, there is an assumption that, well, well, you're not going to be here in three months, so why would I hire you? And so there needs to be an awareness from the people who are in charge of those decisions and in charge of those systems and processes that they're the problem, that they're a big part of the problem, that something needs to change. And so if we go back to that article of the dirty secrets of C-suite women, I hope that at least in our tiny little ecosystem in the grand scheme of things for Trust Insights, we are fixing some of those issues where gender roles don't matter. Doesn't matter what gender you identify as. Um, what you need to do responsible for outside of your job doesn't matter. How much you outsource of it, how much you do yourself doesn't matter. As long as your job is getting done and getting done well, as long as, you know, if you have to take time off to do whatever, okay, great. So I would like to believe that at least in our corner of the world, we are doing what we can to sort of work 
in the opposite direction and that we wouldn't have to have dirty secrets in terms of how we get our work done. You know, I don't currently need to hire a housekeeper. My house is relatively small and I can, you know, take care of it well enough. Is it spotless? No. But it's also my comfort level and expectation of what I can live with. Um, you know, but I do outsource other things in my life to make my life easier. You know, I do have a virtual assistant that helps with coordinating and scheduling and, you know, different admin pieces because, yes, I'm capable of doing it, but it's easier for me to let someone else do it so that I can focus elsewhere. So, yeah, it's it's one of those conversations. It's one of those topics that gets me really riled up and emotional, but I'm trying to really figure out how we can advance the conversation forward in a more positive way. A lot of it focuses on the fifth P in, in the five P's, which is performance, which is, are you individually and, you know, and, and you listening to this, are you mm -hmm. getting the results that are expected? Are you, are you achieving the results? Katie, as CEO, has the company been increasingly profitable every year? Yes. Right. We closed 2022 with, uh, our, our biggest revenue growth yet. You're doing your job. So what you do outside of work is irrelevant because the results, the performance uh -huh. indicates that you're doing your job, right? If we'd stayed flat or we had, de had declines in revenue, okay, then we have to have a conversation like, okay, the role of the CEO is to execute the business of the company and to, to foster its growth. And uh -huh. if you can't do that, you know, if you're on Twitter all day, mouthing off and stuff like that and driving your stock price down 78% within a year and losing $200 billion, you might be a little too emotional for that role. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you need to, to step back and start outsourcing some more, uh, when you lose $200 billion in a year. Um, whoopsie. <clears throat> but also to your point, you know, a, fa a favorite quote from Star Wars from, uh, Emperor Palpatine, the, who admittedly was the bad guy. Um, it's true though. All those who have power are afraid to lose it and systems that are in place benefit those who are currently in privilege. And uh -huh. so... In addition to, you know, how people don't, don't kick down on other people solely because they're emotionally insecure. They also recognize if you change the system, they lose their privilege. Uh -huh. And that is scary for a lot of people who, to your point, no, they probably don't generate as much value, as much performance as they could. And, and that is a hundred percent the core issue of this whole conversation is yeah, there's a lot of solutions that we could put in place to fix a lot of these, you know, gender disparities and, you know, all of this, you know, economic e inequality. But to your point, Chris, these systems are in place to keep certain people in power. You know, we could go down, you know, an even darker rabbit hole and sort of turn to politics. But let's not do that. But that sort of that factors into a lot of this as well of the systems that have been put in place to keep certain people in power making terrible decisions about our own individual lives, those are the systems that need to change. But people don't want to change those systems because it doesn't benefit them because they would then lose the power that they currently have. They would lose their money. They would lose the lifestyle they've grown accustomed to. And so the same is true of businesses yeah. and even households. 
if you think about, you know, you break it down to even smaller things, such as an individual relationship between two people, those power struggles exist in a lot of relationships as well. Not everyone treats relationships as an equal partnership. And so these are just, you know, whether you find yourself in an individual relationship, a company, you know, the political landscape of inequality, this is the reality of it. And there are solutions, but the person who makes the decisions has to come to some sort of self-awareness that they have to change the way that they're thinking about it. And in cases where that's not going to happen because you do have some very calcified institutions, huh? at least in the business world, the alternative is entrepreneurship. The alternative not- is to say, okay, you know what? I can do this work, but I can't do this work at this company because this company is going in the wrong direction or does not support the values and vision uh, that I have for the world. Right. You and your uh, associates and partners and stuff like that, people who may even share that vision, there is in most parts of the world, not much stopping you from starting your own company and saying, okay, we're going to do it our way. And we talked about this in the past in the, on the show, um, Trust Insights was founded uh, you know, you look at our values page on our website, our values page, there's a, there's a hidden secret version of it, which is the list of, a uh, list of dumb things people have done that we've worked for by name, <laughs> who said, we're not going to do that stuff. And so we have a value that says, you know, we stand for X because, you know, the secret version, because Bob over here was a dumbass <laughs> and wasted everybody's time all the time. That's the opportunity. And there has never been a better time in all of recorded human history for people to try doing their own thing. There have been more careers that are available to people. It's not easy. It's not, uh-huh. it's not simple. It's not uh-huh. fun, you know, a good chunk of the time when you, particularly when you're first getting started off, but it is possible. And there's a lot to be said for the freedom of saying, I'm going to do it my way. And we're going to do it free of the systems that, in, that were previously in place at previous employers or in the rest of your industry. As you succeed, if you succeed, as you succeed, you then get to define what the new systems are. Uh-huh. And that will attract some talent. There'll be some people, yeah, well, yeah, that's not for me. And that's okay. But there'll be absolutely some people who are like, yeah, that's a company I want to do business with. That's a company uh-huh. I want to work for. That's a company... And want to promote or be an influencer for all these things come from you changing systems governments and stuff yeah that takes longer to change but it does change over time but in business and in marketing you can change it today again it's not gonna be easy Uh but it is possible it is possible and it's not gonna be easy um but chris and i and our whole community are here to support you so you know, as we wrap up our first rant of 2023, um, if you want to join a supportive community that doesn't focus on gender roles or cares how much you outsource to get your job done, then you can join our free Slack community, Analytics for Marketers. You can find that at trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers. Um, I think we have close to 3,000 members at this point. Um, we do. We do which is really exciting. And it's a lot of like-minded individuals who don't care about gender, who don't care about, you know, personal ethnic backgrounds. We just want to talk about cool stuff and answer questions and get things done. So 
you know, you can join us. <laughs> and wherever it is that you watch or listen to this show, if there's a place you prefer to have it on said, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast, where we have almost every platform that is still in business uh, <laughs> that where uh, we have podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Thank <laughs> you.